0: Welcome to Mind Love, episode 44.
1: Today's episode is all about an empowered approach to love and dating.
0: The goal is to find the person whose weird match is yours. We all, at the end of the day, want to be with someone who makes us feel seen and accepted in all of our imperfections and flaws and quirks and wounds and all of that.
2: Turn up your frequency with Mind Love.
0: Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's
1: time to give your mind a little love with your host,
0: Melissa Monti.
1: First off, Mind Love is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can get all of your favorite podcasts. It has a super clean layout and you can create playlists and download episodes to play offline. It's my personal favorite and where I listen to all of my podcasts. Don't worry, you can still listen to Mind Love wherever you get your podcasts, but I hope you'll give CastBox a try. Second, don't forget to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and leave a review if you can. Reviews really help to entice more amazing guests. Plus, it helps me grow the show, which ultimately helps me give more value to you guys. Today's episode is going to be super fun. I've gotten quite a few requests from you guys for advice on navigating this new culture of dating that we're currently in. So today, I'm bringing you a love and dating coach. Her name is Evan Rose Littman, and she left her high-paying job to follow her passion and start something of her own and ultimately to help people. Well, I'm excited about today because you're going to get two different but valuable perspectives. You have Evan who has made this her life. She is so wise in the field of dating and she's still out there rocking the dating scene, which is really great because I've only been married three to four years and I don't know what dating is like anymore. That shit changes so fast. But interwoven in that, you'll also get my perspective as the married woman, and I consider my relationship extremely successful. Who would have thought? (laughs) Even my friends notice it. I somehow scored the perfect husband, and I love him so much, and I'm told by our friends that the dynamic of our relationship is really inspiring. So today, Evan and I are going to help you conquer love. Three key things we will learn today are how to get in alignment with what we're looking for in a partner the biggest ways we get in our own way in dating, and how to raise our vibes while remaining authentic when we meet someone. Before we get started, I want to tell you about the best way to stay in your highest frequency between episodes. Thousands of listeners are loving my daily morning Mind Love emails. They're short daily reminders of your own beauty, magic, and power so you can start each day with your best mindset. Just go to mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. Plus, you'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. First, you'll get a really cool free booklet of powerless based on proven methods from the most successful people in the world to automate your highest decisions. Plus, you'll get a free guided affirmation meditation. It's set with a binaural frequency known as the miracle tone, which is known to make you a magnet for love, health, and abundance. Then it's layered with affirmations to perfectly tune your frequency for transformation. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word MORNING to 444 That's MORNING to 444 And now let's welcome Evan Lippman to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. So let's get into your story. How did you become a dating and love coach?
0: I initially became a life coach. I grew up in a household with two therapists as parents. So I think I was destined to do some work helping people directly I spent years kind of trying to find my career path and jumping around and ended up in a corporate job, a six figure job in my mid 20s that for a while was exciting enough for me to kind of chase the promotions and the money. And then really just had a kind of intense moment of like, whoa, I am not fulfilled. I am not excited to start my day. And I really jumped right in. I went and did a life coach training program quit my corporate job, started my own practice. And then at the same time, I was on my own path of trying to figure out why my dating life felt so frustrating, why I wasn't getting anywhere, why I was spending year after year just meeting the same kinds of people and having these experiences that didn't feel as connected or juicy or healthy as I wanted them to. And so then, as most of us coaches do, I realized, well, of course, the area that I care so passionately about in my personal life and that I've been able to help myself really shift in a big way is the same kind of message and work and support that I want to bring to other women.
1: Yeah, it's funny how we can be so conscious in some areas while completely neglecting other areas of our lives altogether. (laughs) I've found there's usually this moment when something clicks and I realize, wait, What if I apply the same concepts I use over here for goal setting and manifesting and I apply it to this area that I've always seen as so complicated and overwhelming? But love is kind of funny. We've grown up on fairy tales and Prince Charmings and mermaids without voices and finding that one person. So there's been a lot that's changed in what we're telling our kids and ourselves to look for in a person. What are your thoughts on soulmates and finding our person?
0: I do believe in soulmates, but I think I use the word soulmates a little differently than most. Uh, To me, soulmates doesn't mean you have one person out there who's your quote unquote perfect fit and that's it. And if you don't find that person, you're screwed. right? Absolutely not. To me, a soulmate is we have soulmates in our lives who are non-romantic soulmates. Friends or those family members who feel like home to us in a way. And, And that doesn't mean we necessarily grew up with them, but know what I mean? That sense of home when you meet someone and you feel like you can be unapologetically yourself and they see you and accept you and they fill you with those loving vibes. To me, that's a soulmate. So yeah, I absolutely believe that we have a wide range of people out there who could be incredible potential romantic partners to us and who we could connect with on that soul level. And certainly not just one. That's nonsense to me.
1: What are the ways that you think people get in their own way when it comes to dating?
0: Oh, such a good question. It's funny, any woman that I start working with, one of the first things we always realize is, oh, there are these ways that you've been getting in your own way, right? That's always the case. It's never just these external circumstances. Oh, I've been unlucky or whatever that is. So some of those ways might look like having a really specific idea of who this person is that we're looking for. And we're placing kind of emphasis in the wrong places, right? So we're not clear on, well, who is it that I actually need in order to feel safe and secure and loved and happy? We've got kind of our priorities out of whack. We really, one of the biggest ways is looking at how am I maybe less emotionally available than I would like to think. So if you're someone who keeps attracting or choosing emotionally unavailable partners, We have to tune in, right? We have to look at our partner as our mirror, looking at, I've been kind of guarded, right? I'm not necessarily as vulnerable as I need to be in order to connect with someone who's emotionally available, or I'm not communicating in a way that's really open and honest and what I would want from my partner. And then, of course, these limiting beliefs that we have, right? So a really big way that we get in our own ways is We think about what we want. Well, first of all, most of us tend to think more about what we don't want than what we do want, right? So we keep attracting more of the same. We keep attracting more of whatever that old script is that we're playing out. And even when we let ourselves think about what we really do want, we then cloud our path to that with so much self doubt and so many fears about our own worthiness and so many ideas about, oh, well, There aren't many quality people left, or I'm too old, or I'm not thin enough. You know, my city, it's too hard. So all of these beliefs that really, really limit what's possible for us and just keep us stuck. Right. It's this
1: crazy loop. The science of manifestation is to first get specific with what we desire, then to feel like we've already received it, just like with our goals. And if we don't get specific on what we really want in a partner, then we only have one model in our heads for what we can attract. And that's what we already know. So we keep getting the same kind of relationships. And then of course we're going to assume all guys are the same and I'm not worth a better guy and there's something wrong with me and dating sucks. It's hard to say any of those things without feeling them, but then we're living them right now. So Obviously, it's going to be easy to feel those things. We feel it without even trying. So we're constantly affirming the exact thing we don't want and perfectly creating the circumstances to get that over and over again.
0: Exactly. Whatever you are kind of ruminating on in your mind or venting about with your girlfriends over brunch every weekend inevitably becomes your experience. I think of it as like if you're sitting at home dreading going on this date, And I have clients tell me all the time, like I thought about canceling five times throughout the day and I forced myself to go and I showed up and I knew it wasn't going to be great. I knew I was going to be disappointed. And sure enough, I was. And I'm like, so what energy were you bringing to that date? Right. If you are showing up with that already feeling over it, already making assumptions about this person and just wishing you weren't even there. And then you're surprised when there isn't this great vibe and you don't have a ton of fun and you don't feel confident and at ease in your skin and all of these things. It's like, we've got to take responsibility for actually opening our minds, opening our hearts, starting to create some positivity and optimism and excitement around our love lives if we want that end result to feel really exciting and loving.
1: I'm reminded of Amy Cuddy's TED Talk on power posing. Listeners, if you haven't heard of power posing, I'll link to the talk in the show notes at mindlove.com slash zero four four. But the basics are if you stand in a powerful pose, like standing tall with your hands on your hips, you feel more powerful and confident. And listeners get excited because next week's episode is actually all about these little body hacks. Along these same lines, do you have any good practices to get you more excited before a date? Maybe in a more open, receptive, maybe even sexy kind of mood?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's such a good question. So I have actually a whole pre-date ritual that I share with my clients and the women in my community. And, and it really is, it's to open up our hearts. It's to get in our bodies. So part of that certainly is playing music, right? Having a pre-date playlist that you can really dance around to, get out of your head and into your body. And for me, oh my gosh, one of my all-time favorites is the Sierra song Ride. It's so incredibly sexy. And the music video is so sexy that I can't, like, I start feeling myself, right? As soon as I'm jamming out to it. And then it's like, it doesn't matter if I was nervous or if I'd had a chaotic work day or whatever else. I'm suddenly in my body. I'm in my feminine energy, right? And then... I always say pair that with tuning in and getting really intentional about your self-talk before you're going on a date. So check in with what are those fears that are coming up for me? What are those? Like I'm looking in the mirror as I'm getting ready and I'm noticing flaws or I'm noticing maybe I'm not in shape enough for this person. And then really consciously noticing that releasing judgment around those thoughts And then bringing in some mantras or some affirmations that can be as simple as just, you know, I'm enough as I am. Or the person who I'm going to vibe with, the person who's going to be my partner, will accept me for who I am. So what am I even stressing about here?
1: Right. I am definitely guilty of falling into that loop. I have to be really conscious about self-talk, especially that has to do with my body. Probably leftover psychological damage from my eating disorder. But negative self-talk can be tricky though. Sometimes it's even disguised as positive. Like I'll find myself saying, I look pretty good. Two more days of not snacking at night and I'll be right where I want to be. But no, (laughs) stop that. Again, first, I'm focusing my attention on the parts I don't like. And second, if my body was my little sister, would I treat her that way? Expecting perfection, beating her up. What about being thankful for the places it takes me and for surviving when I was starving it and apologizing for demeaning it most of my life? And last, if those are the thoughts cycling through my brain before I go out into the world, I'm going to be emanating at a lower frequency and that's what I'll attract. So how about telling yourself, I am awesome and the person that recognizes me for that and for all that I am, that's going to be my person. And if they are an asshole and they say all the things that you were fearing, you don't want to spend another minute with them anyway. So feel free to excuse yourself to the restroom and ghost.
0: (laughs) Totally. That's exactly the case. Right. The goal of dating, I think we forget this sometimes. The goal of dating isn't to make everyone like you or to get everyone to fall in love with you. I mean, who here is trying to date hundreds and hundreds? I mean, there's right. So the goal is to find your I like to say you're weirdo. The person whose weird matches yours, or who looks at you. I think we all, at the end of the day, want to be with someone who makes us feel totally seen and accepted in all of our imperfections and flaws and quirks and wounds and all of that. So we have to be brave enough to not be hiding ourselves, right? This is also goes back to that emotional availability piece I was talking about. If we're showing up on dates as our representative. We call it right. If we're in that headspace ahead of time of, I need to be perfect, and I've got these flaws that I have to hide, and I can't let this guy see that I'm really not. I'll use a personal example. Right, I live in LA. I'm not that outdoorsy. I've had this idea for a while, and I had to kind of check in and realize that this was my own limiting belief that every man wants a woman who's going to be camping with them every weekend and doing backpacking trips and really into sports and that's not me. You know, it just isn't. And I'll go to a cabin with you for a weekend. That's ideal, right? <laughs> Where there's a shower and we can bring food to cook and great. For a while, I was showing up on dates and trying to fit this mold of of who I thought he wanted me to be. And when we're doing that, not only is that really exhausting, and that's one of the reasons I hear a lot of women say I'm so burnt out on dating cuz we're having to feel like we're on and trying to be something, right? But also we're we then, that the true us isn't available to be seen or known. And so we really get in our way of connecting with that person who's going to be a great fit for us ultimately.
1: And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word morning to 33777. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, The Dr. John Deloney Show is here for you. Listen to The Dr. John Deloney Show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. I will say that there's a little more stacked against you when you're younger, though, because it's hard to be authentically you when you're still figuring out who you are. So a lot of it is trial and an error. But what's super funny is years ago, I was going through this old box of books, and I found this book that I got in middle school. You know, one of those book fair days? I loved those. They always felt so magical. <laughs> well, I found this book on how to love football. And I specifically remember buying that just for the hopes of seeming cool with the boys at school. I thought, yeah, I'll just bust out my cool football knowledge and the boys will obviously love me. (laughs) Now I just own it. I don't like watching sports. I would rather play a sport than watch it. But the best part about owning it is that if you're open about not wanting to watch sports, for example, people rarely expect you to watch sports with them. Who would have thought? (laughs) But I think it's funny that you have that same thing about being outdoorsy because I've been trying to plan camping trips all summer because I love it. But the biggest setback with it has been that none of the guys my girlfriends are with like the outdoors. So I'm kind of under the impression that most guys are more like you. that's any encouragement?
0: Just goes to show, right, that it's all perception. We all have these biased and warped views of who's out there and what they want. And it's unfortunately, each of our views are usually skewed towards the negative towards like what we don't want, right? Or what doesn't work for us. It's so wild. I have clients all over the country. And actually, now I've got some women who are in who are outside of the States as well. And every single one of them when we first meet, tells me that it's their city that's the problem. Well, we've all heard that about L.A. Right? Dating in L.A. is impossible. No, dating in New York's impossible. Oh, have you tried dating in the Midwest? America in general. <laughs> exactly. All men in Tel Aviv. And it's like, oh, <laughs> it can't be every single one of our cities. Plus, isn't that then
1: saying something about ourselves if that's where we're from, too? Right. Oh, everyone here is just super screwed up. (laughs) But it should really be a sign for yourself whenever you realize that you think the problem isn't you. Not saying we should put blame on ourselves, but the more responsibility we take for our own lives and what we're attracting, the more we step into our own power. This also sheds an interesting light on that honeymoon period in a relationship where you love everything about them until shit starts to get real and then all these little things just aren't cute anymore? Or is it that in the beginning, we pretend to be someone else and then after a year or two, or when we move in together, the charade is just too difficult to keep up and it does feel a little bit like a bait and switch. But now I do have a pretty good grasp on who I am, but I am still discovering parts myself. And I think that's always going to happen, especially when we're in a relationship, because suddenly there's a witness to all of your quirks and these things that you didn't even notice that you do. But how much less extreme would that honeymoon period be if we were completely ourselves from the beginning? How much better of a match would that turn out to be?
0: And first of all, it helps us to kind of cut through all of those people who aren't a good fit for our true selves, right? Like we find out sooner, which is great. I think a lot of us, again, have this idea of my goal is just to get asked out again. And that's even such a backwards mindset of I need to get him to like me and I'm just along for this ride versus the approach that I guide women. is called the empowered dating approach. So that's shifting that mindset to who do I like and what am I looking for and really being in the driver's seat of our own dating lives. So, yeah, when we show up authentically, we much more easily kind of clear the roster, so to speak, of all the people who aren't going to end up being a great fit. And we are absolutely our most magnetic when we're in our authenticity. That's how we draw people to us, kind of like mobs to a flame, who are people who really align with our true selves. And then totally, I mean, think about when you are putting on that front early on, There's so much anxiety that comes along with that because you've set this unattainable standard for yourself that you then feel like you have to live up to. Even if subconsciously, you're always a little bit on edge that you're going to get found out (laughs) for who you really are.
1: I noticed that even now, but this is the first relationship I've been in where I really feel loved as fully and authentically me. The ironic thing is there was one other one that almost got there, but I didn't actually like him very much. So I really had nothing to lose in being myself, which is a really messed up train of thought when you think about it. To be fair, though, looking back at my relationships, even the worst ones, I can see pretty clearly what they taught me and how they made me better. But I think one of the biggest differences I noticed between dating and marriage is when you're dating, you're constantly trying to decide, is this right for forever? And in marriage, you're past that hurdle. You've already decided that you want this to be forever. So then everything is, how can we make this relationship better? It's really enlightening from that perspective because the focus turns inward. Relationships are mirrors and there's so much self-discovery. You notice patterns about yourself that were easy to ignore because no one was around People bring other things out in you that might not come out if you're by yourself and not interacting with another human. So I'm wondering if you have any tips to help people get to know themselves a little bit earlier before this discovery period, which will still inevitably happen in a relationship, but just to help understand who you are and what you're looking for
0: beforehand. Yeah, you're totally right that no matter how well you know yourself, When you are in that intimate relationship, things come up, things show up, right? Even for those of us who have, myself included, do this work professionally, you get into a situation, you're like, whoa, I didn't realize that was a trigger for me. Whoa, I didn't realize I still have anxiety around that. Whoa, I didn't realize I'm so weird after spending this much time with someone. So part of it's accepting that self-discovery is a lifelong journey, These are some of the exercises I have the women do and actually that we go through in my group program. So identifying and exploring your core values, which are essentially those pillars that you're like, if I really embodied these few values, I would feel fulfilled in my life. Give us some examples. What are your core values that you look for? Mine are authenticity. Intimacy, uplifting or encouraging, supporting others, love, of course, and it might be creativity. I'll have to look back. Here's another thing: is I recommend doing these exercises every year or so because there are some parts of ourselves that are core, and then there are some parts that are fluid. I think this is a Cheryl Strayed quote. I'm paraphrasing, but she says something along the lines of not sacrificing your happiness for those things that you always thought to be true about yourself.
1: Don't surrender all your joy for an idea you used to have about yourself that isn't true anymore.
0: So being willing to let go for my entire life, musical theater was my life. And I went to school for theater and I, until I was like 24 or something, that was my identity. And that's what I thought would make me happy. I still love it. I still have a passion there, but I was so Attached to that identity of who I was. And when I finally realized, whoa, like as an adult, there are other things that I'm feeling drawn to and other lifestyles and being able to let go and say, it's okay for my identity to be fluid. I love that.
1: I've been trying to notice whenever I identify with anything, whether negative or a positive thing, because even with things that I love, it's still not who I am. Sometimes it's hard to even get my head around what the authentic self is, but I also think that the universe is too complex that our brains can fully comprehend, at least in this state of our evolution, like a Neanderthal trying to grasp quantum physics or something. I think there's still so much that we're going to find out about what this existence really means. My current obsession is an author named Joe Dispenza. And in his book, Becoming Supernatural, he talks a lot about shedding all of our layers and getting to this point of nothingness in meditation. And when you're in that state, that's when you're most receptive. So you're the most open to create lasting change through new neural connections. So even with those things we love, we start to identify with those because everyone knows Melissa loves yoga. First, what if that changes? What if it stops making me happy, but I've become so used to the story I've been telling myself for 15 years that I love yoga. I doubt that. I love it too much. There I go again. (laughs) But in reality, yoga isn't me. It's just one of the ways I express myself. It doesn't mean I have to love yoga any less, but it does make it a lot easier to be flexible in this life, to feel free to express yourself in different ways. And it opens you up for self discovery because you
0: know you don't have to have yourself all figured out. Exactly, exactly. And that's why I love the idea of core values so much because they can play out in so many different ways, right? So if love is one of my core values, that means so many things to me. That means when I don't have a romantic partner in my life, I can still fill my life with love. I'm still always consciously investing in all of those non-romantic soulmates in my life. I created a business based on love, right? My work has become love, and that's what really drives me in my business. And I can also check in and be real with myself and be like, if I'm one of those women right now who's saying I'm too busy to date, ooh right? If love and intimacy, if those are some of my core values, I need to carve out the time because I have to admit to myself how important that is to me.
1: So here's a heavy topic. I'm 33 now. So all my friends are popping out babies. And I'm still figuring out what I feel about having kids. And I'm married. So there's this extra expectation that comes with that. And I totally get that there's a whole different type of pressure for single people as well, especially in their 30s. But really, they both come down to the same thing. It's the women's biological timelines. So on one hand, we definitely shouldn't be making these huge decisions based on that timeline. But on the other hand, it exists. So what
0: are your thoughts? Yeah, it's so funny. I had a conversation with a girlfriend just this past weekend about just this. It's such a universal experience. I think we have to be really careful about these timelines that, for the most part, we are putting on ourselves. Yes, I completely understand there is biologically a timeline here that we should be aware of as women if we want to have children. And for one thing, I think that in our generation, there's more flexibility there. So a lot of us grew up, I know for me, from when I was a little kid, it was this idea of married by 27, first kid by 29, right? So arbitrary. And so part of reframing that for myself has, first of all, just been getting the facts, Getting real about, oh, it's actually totally possible and healthy to have children at 40 today. So that's a really big we're talking about like a decade difference from this story I have been telling myself about what needed to happen. And then beyond that, there are just so many options. There are options for having kids without being pregnant, adoption, of course, and there are options for having a really fulfilling, beautiful life without kids as well. So I think it's when we put so much pressure on the timeline, we create, again, all of this anxiety, all of this angst for ourselves. And from that place, we end up making choices out of fear rather than choices out of trust and self-love and love.
1: I told myself my whole life that I was never getting married and I was never having kids. Speaking of stories we begin to identify with, but thinking about it now on the bright side, it could have given me the freedom to find exactly what I was looking for because there was no pressure for me. My last few relationships were what was fun and what fit into my life. So that's just interesting to think about. But the one thing that was different for me when I met my husband is that we both bonded over the desire to improve ourselves. We actually read The Power by Rhonda Byrne together, which is the sequel to The Secret. So we entered the relationship with this mindset of knowing that we had the power to create our lives. And that means taking responsibility for the energy that you bring. If something isn't right in my life or if what I'm seeing around me isn't right, then I need to change because everything else is a reflection. I will say that starting a relationship that way was powerful enough for me to change the story I'd been living with my whole life. That relationship sucked. So there's two lessons I take from that. First, look for a conscious partner because then they have a growth mindset. You don't need to tell someone to change when they're already working on themselves. You feel like they've got it covered. And it gives you the patience to let him or her be on their own journey instead of Telling them what you think they should work on next, which is one of the biggest issues I feel like comes up in relationships. And second, be aware of any story you're telling yourself because I made that story up that I wasn't getting married when I was nine, which means by identifying with that, I'm basically letting a nine year old decide the fate of my love life. So, anytime you realize you're living by something you've always thought to be true, stop and reflect on that. Go over your values and what's important to you and make a conscious decision if that story still fits what you want for
0: your life. Oh my gosh, totally. And I think we also get these ideas about who our type is when we're that young. It can come from movies. It can come from TV shows. I mean, I was Ryder Strong from Boy Meets World. I was his number one fan, like AOL chatroom fan club status, okay? And for decades, I was like, that's my type, the brooding bad boy. And sure enough, that's who I went for. And that's who I ended up in relationships with. And that was not a good fit for me. (laughs) There were not necessarily healthy dynamics. And for so long I was like, well, but that's just who I like. If I choose anyone else, it it will be settling. And I had to get really clear on even who we're attracted to in large part comes from our stories and comes from our patterns. And we actually can shift. And I've been able to completely shift who I'm attracted to. And it's wild. The men now that I go for, who my friends from back in growing up or high school are like, you would have thought this guy was too nerdy or too something. And I'm like, he makes my heart pound because I can now recognize what I need in a partner. And I can see that in all different kinds of people, regardless of these kind of superficial types. So even to go back, Melissa, to your question about self-discovery, another couple exercises I really recommend are learning about your attachment style, learning about your love languages, learning about essentially your needs in a relationship. And then from there, creating this clear picture and not a visual picture, because that's what I think we need to let go of some of the attachment to that idea of like, who's going to look good next to me in my engagement photos for Instagram. That's not helpful.
2: risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back. No questions asked. Receive a free element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinkelmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order.
1: I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. We need to figure out how to spread these messages in high school. Like, I wish I knew this. Our brains are so influenced at that age. And then so much of it is just trying to be cool and trying to fit in. And a lot of social circles formed by how people look. So then the rest of your life, you're undoing all of that damage that you did in your formative years. I thought I only liked men over six feet tall. And then I met my husband and he's 5'9", 5'10". So that was another story I had to release. But I'm so glad I did because our sizes are like the perfect fit. It's one of my favorite things.
0: Right. This information that we absorbed without having any... Filter for it or any context. No one was there to help us question is that really important to you? Why is it that that feels so good, right? It was like we just absorbed stuff. And that's why I always say, too, especially for women, my clients tend to be women around 30 or coming up on 30. And there's a lot of this anxiety and this pressure and all these ideas. I'm always like, dating and relationships and love, that's the good stuff. But we've just attached so much crap. Like we've just. Layered on all of these stories, ideas, doubts, fears, patterning, just all of this stuff that really isn't love. That's not what we're going for here. So we have to, like you said, undo. And part of that's first just the awareness, identifying what is this stuff that I've attached to love and dating, and then have someone help us hopefully to unpack that and to release it and to give us new ways to move forward. So there isn't so much resistance and angst and what's wrong with me on our journeys.
1: Okay, I want to talk thoughts on dating culture in this age of technology, especially dating apps like Tinder and Bumble. Because on one hand, dating apps can give you the ability to pick and choose a little bit more of what you're looking for rather than just who out of the 32 men happened to be in the bar. But on the other hand, it's social media. And we all know how much we curate exactly what to show people through social media. So how authentic is it really? And then to make matters worse, it's perpetuating our obsession with the superficial, like looks and income and height and discarding people with a left swipe So what are your thoughts
0: on the pros and cons of dating apps? Yeah, I think you just called out the cons beautifully. And really the problem there, what I just want to point out is the cons are in how we're using the technology. It's not the apps themselves. It's not the technology itself that's the problem. So I think that's a really huge thing to recognize. First of all, when women come to me and they're like, oh, it's impossible because dating apps and social media. We can look at those apps as just another, a wider pool, another opportunity to connect with people. However, if we're coming to it from that kind of superficial mindset of swiping and looking for this person who fits this perfect image of our type, if we are so quick to write people off based on you know we're like oh he looks gorgeous in five photos but I don't like this angle so left right because there's a thousand more people waiting for me to swipe on them we talked about sending your representative on dates you can do the same thing in your profile so if you are curating a profile that your goal is to appeal to the masses you're limiting your ability to attract those specific people who are going to really vibe with you so I recommend letting yourself be authentic and quirky and whatever on your dating profiles, right? Like calling out those little things about yourself that are different, being a little silly with it, having some specific things that people can respond to. I mean, even a kind of funny example is my friends for a long time were like, you cannot have a picture with your cat to me, right? They're like, you cannot have a picture with your cat in your dating profile because so many guys are going to either don't like cats or are allergic or going to think you're a crazy cat lady. I love cats. (laughs) That's a part of who I am. And my cat sleeps in my bed. And that's not going to change. So while I didn't put that as my number one photo, I have a hilarious picture with my cat wearing this frog hat. And I'm laughing. I think it's my most genuine smile that you could possibly capture in a photo. And the people who've specifically responded to that, in fact, my last Relationship was with someone who also had a picture with his cat in a profile and reached out because he was like, This is so endearing and funny. And so, letting yourself be authentically you. Another huge kind of pro con is the way that we're communicating. So, I think the con is getting caught up again and being like, I have to choose the perfect words to write. Like, my friends are writing my. Responses for me and all of this nonsense that, to your point, Melissa, if you were at a bar or out at an event and you connected with someone, you have to just respond in real time. (laughs) Right? You're not like, I'm going to wait an hour so he thinks that I'm busy and not that interested. And then I'm going to go back and send this response that I've drafted up and edited. Oh my gosh, we're the ones making dating exhausting. And not actually connecting like human beings. There's another human being on the other end of that app. So letting ourselves speak in a more natural way. Relatively soon after chatting. One of the big cons is that we end up kind of stuck in this virtual world. With someone where we're chatting for days or weeks. And we end up creating this story. Going back to stories of who this person is. We create this whole fantasy. Right? We like take these. Few little dots, these little facts we've collected, and we connect them all, and we make an idea in our minds of this person and have all this build up, and then we go meet them in person, and we're heartbroken when there's no vibe or no chemistry, or they're just completely different, completely different than this person we invented. So I like to have women messaging for no more than a day or so, enough to be like, okay, there's some mutual interest here. And then either get on the phone or ideally, this is what I do, and i it's worked beautifully, do like a five-minute FaceTime chat. FaceTime is a good idea. It's more
1: personal, but most of all, it's going to save you so much time, basically your whole
0: free night. It's so much more personal. It's wild how I remember the first time I did this, I was like, I'm going to test this out for myself before I... <laughs> Tell all of my clients and the women in my community to do this. I'm always my own guinea pig. And there were two different guys I was chatting with. And one I was more excited about just aesthetically, right? I was like, he's my type. This guy is gonna be so confident and charming. The other guy I was like, he seems fine, perfectly nice. Got on FaceTime with both of them. I had it completely backwards. The hunky guy was it was very hard for us to even hold a conversation for five minutes. And the other guy was So endearing. And from there, because we all have busy lives, we were like, okay, it totally makes sense to carve out an evening to get together. As opposed to, it's really hard, I think, for us to make dating or meeting people from dating apps a priority when it feels like just a ton of strangers and they're so hit or miss.
1: So, when you do first meet someone or even just over FaceTime, are there any big universal red flags outside of just not vibing with someone?
0: I'll tell you one for me. I think one important thing to note here is that red flags are different for everyone. So, your red flags are going to be in line with what you want and what you don't want, right? So, a big one for me is when someone comes in with negativity towards dating. And so, I also always make sure that my clients aren't the one bringing in this vibe, right? We're coming in and we have all of these stories about how online dating sucks. And especially if we end up touching on past relationships, which these days can totally come up on a first date. That's what I've found is that our generation does not subscribe to these like off topics or off limits topics on first dates. And so when someone is talking about their past relationships and they are speaking about them in a way where something was wrong with everyone else and they're not taking any responsibility or able to say either this just wasn't the right fit or whatever, but there's a lot of, either all the women in my past were crazy, or they wanted too much from me. Or I had a guy on a first date telling me how this woman he was seeing for six or seven months exclusively was putting all this pressure on him to put a label on it. And he thought that was so crazy. Why was she so caught up in the label? And I was like, red flag. That is so funny.
1: Even some of my closest guy friends have this saying, BBC, which stands for bitches be crazy. <laughs> And there, there have been a few times they've been validated, to be fair. But that's why it's so important to take ownership of what you're bringing to the relationship. Because honestly, even if the chemistry is perfect and you agree on everything from the beginning and say it does turn into a serious relationship and you even get married. So it's what everyone's been looking for. Five to 10 years into it, when you're combining finances and you have to move states for your partner's job opportunity and you're deciding how to raise your kids, you're going to discover these whole other dimensions to life that may not be perfectly aligned. You will either be growing together or growing apart. So you're going to need someone who is adaptable and empathetic and who doesn't think that the fault is always on the other person. And you have to be the same way. One of the things I like to remind myself when somebody is being difficult is that on a subconscious level, this is how they know to show love. And so the best I can do is respond in love, show them a better way to show love. But this kind of brings me to my next question, because what if we were the ones that weren't taught to show love A lot of us have experienced some sort of trauma, whether childhood or previous relationships, which means we may not have been shown love in a very healthy way. Are we doomed to repeat that? Or how do we move into a place of being able to give love to someone the way they deserve to
0: receive it? I think the first part of that is getting the guidance and support that you need to work through what you've been through, which doesn't mean that we erase it. It doesn't mean that it doesn't still affect us but as someone i had you know early childhood trauma that really affected my early relationships until i worked with a therapist and then a coach to help me unpack it to help me rewrite those stories and one of those big tools is rewriting your story from the perspective of the hero it being a hero's journey meaning Here's what I've been through, and here's how it affected me, and here's how I've learned and grown from it and come out stronger. And that empowers us to open our hearts again. It empowers us to move forward from that place of self love instead of that place of fear, as opposed to seeing ourselves as the victim at the end of our stories who's been really disempowered and who's damaged, so to speak. You know, it's like, I don't even really love the word damaged. Of course, none of us are perfect, and we all have our wounds and our sensitivities and our triggers, and yet I don't believe that that needs to hold us back from being loving and lovable. So first and foremost, having someone to help support us through that. I don't believe that that's work that any of us, even the most conscious and enlightened of us, can possibly do on our own. It's just too hard. We have too many blind spots, and we need someone to really nurture us through that process. And then learning how to share that stuff with a partner so that you don't feel like you're alone in it. You're not like, I'm carrying the weight of all this stuff that I've been through and I have to hide it and pretend like I know what I'm doing with you or like I'm not scared. So letting that person be our teammate in the entire experience of the relationship. And part of that is just saying, hey, this is really hard for me or this is something that doesn't come intuitively to me. And asking, what do you need from me? How can I be better for you in this moment? Exploring, what are our love languages? Can you give me specific examples of how I can do that for you? And vice versa. So it's really a process of teaching each other how to treat us, how to care for us, how to love us. And knowing that even someone who's never had trauma or who's starting their adult dating life with as much of a blank slate as possible, which is rare, that none of us are just mind readers who intuitively know how to be incredible for someone else. So it's always going to be that open communication, being willing to learn, being willing to experiment, and really owning what we need in order to feel safe. And sharing that with someone else so that they can rise to the opportunity and they actually know how to care for us as well.
1: Sometimes I find it helpful to look at my relationship like a completely separate entity. Like there's me, there's him, and then there's our relationship. Because in a relationship, it's so easy to go back and forth with who's to blame. But when you have this separate thing, your relationship, that you have to consciously work on, then the focus shifts from who is to blame to where in our relationship do we need to give more love? And it's actually kind of bonding, too, because suddenly it becomes a collective effort. You're working on the same project, and the other person can provide support where they're needed. I've also found it really helpful to... Let mistakes be mistakes without making them this big thing. Realize that emotions are chemical reactions and that we're not going to be perfect every time and sometimes there's more going on. A good example of this just happened this morning, actually. (laughs) I got irritated and I word vomited via text message and then 10 minutes later, I just sent a sorry text. I'm pretty good at owning my shit these days. But my husband totally could have shamed me for that and made me feel really bad and made it this big thing that we had to talk out. But instead, his only response was, it's okay, little babe. He calls me little babe. (laughs) It's okay, little babe. I know you have big feelings in the cold mornings. (laughs) He's so cute. But that allows me to grow faster too. And honestly, it makes me want to do better next time. You actually have five pillars of love life transformation, and I love frameworks. So tell us more about these pillars, why you
0: developed them, and how they help. Sometimes women come to me and they're like, just give me the dating tricks and tips. I'm like, oh, but that's just a band-aid, and I can't do that because I want to help you actually create lasting, healthy love and relationships in your life. So this love life transformation program that I guide women through, we start with self. And that's kind of two parts. That's self worth, self love, self acceptance, and it's also self discovery. So that's where we dive into attachment styles, love languages, core values, triggers, understanding what's the fear at the root of that. All of those pieces that allow you to start to get clear on who this partner is, who's going to be an incredible fit for you long term, and letting go of the ride or strong story that I've been holding on to for almost 30 years. The second pillar is mindset. So that's where we really uproot those deep-seated fears and those limiting beliefs. We get clear on what are all of those mindsets around time pressure and comparing ourselves to other people and just all of these ideas that are creating resistance on your path. And I take them through a process of really challenging and recrafting new beliefs so that they have a mindset that supports them and serves them as they get on their dating journeys. The third pillar is heart set. So this is where we really talk a lot about vibes, raising your vibe, tuning into that happiness and gratitude and the love, abundance of love that's already present in your life and how to trust yourself so that you can open your heart again. Because like we've been talking about, When you start to put yourself out there and you're showing up on dates, you have to have that relationship with yourself, the mindset and the heart set all aligned so that you can be really open and magnetic and start to feel these genuine connections with people, which is what it's all about. And then the fourth pillar is the empowered dating approach. So this is all the actionable dating stuff that I teach from putting yourself out there online dating best practices and how to communicate, how to get into, get out there on real live dates after you've been messaging with someone for far too long, how to show up authentically and confidently, how to communicate what you're looking for, how to navigate all of those tricky conversations that women get hung up on of like, well, when is it too soon to ask what he's looking for? And What do I do if he invites me to come over on a third date and I still want him to take me out? Or without chasing him, how do I not become the pursuer but also be proactive? So all of that. How to embody your feminine energy. Everything you need to set you up to have this really active and affirming and fun dating life. has to be fun. And then the final component are these deeper relationship skills. So this is, again, it's like I'm here to help set women up to connect with their person and create that lasting relationship. I don't want you to just be like, oh, cool. Suddenly I'm attracting better quality people and I'm having good dates, but it always seems to fall apart after a month. So this is pacing and intimacy and navigating sex in the early months of a relationship and being vulnerable and navigating conflict. Right? (laughs) How to bring stuff up so that you don't have to be afraid that that first negative, quote unquote, conversation is going to just ruin everything. No, that's part of it. That's part of it. It's a really powerful program. It's essentially everything that I have learned and discovered through my one on one coaching over the years that create this path to these ultimate, loving, lasting relationships, kind of boiled down into 12 weeks. And then I found that going through the work together as a small group, an intimate group of women who can relate to one another and who can be like, oh my gosh, I have those same exact crazy thoughts. I have those same fears. I thought it was just me. And we cheer each other on and there's so much love and so much support in it. And it just amplifies the healing and the good vibes and the progress that these women are able to make.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming on and having such an inspiring conversation about how we can take dating and love into our own hands.
0: So for those listeners that this all really resonated with, where can they connect with you online? The first and foremost place I would say to come join me is I have an online community. It's a private Facebook group. Totally free to join me there. It's called Empowered Dating with Evan Rose. And Evan is E-V-I-N. And uh, you can go ahead and request to join us there on Facebook. I share insight and inspiration every single day in that group. I do live trainings every week in that group. I share more about the Love Life Transformation Program, Instagram at Evan Rose. I'm on there all the time. Lots of Instagram stories giving you guidance and support. And then reach out to me directly. So whether via Instagram or Facebook or email, If you are intrigued by the idea of this group program, I've got my next group launches October 1st. So we're coming up quickly and enrollment is in full swing. The women who are already part of that group are so open-hearted and so just eager and ready to learn and upgrade their dating and love lives. So definitely get in touch with me and we can explore if that's a great fit for you. ASAP, I would say, in case you want to jump in and join us. I hope this was helpful for you guys.
1: I feel like sometimes it just takes somebody to tell you all of these things that we're learning can be applied to multiple areas of our life. We have to be intentional when we're looking for our perfect partner. I think we get so caught up in the rejection or the approval or finding that cute guy across the bar that we forget to write down our non-negotiables, figure out what we're really looking for. Because I think a part of us thinks that doesn't exist or we don't deserve it or Finding a good guy is too far and few between, but if you put your intentions into the universe, you become a magnet for those intentions, and before you know it, you're sipping cocktails on a beach with your perfect person. All of the links mentioned in this episode are at mindlove.com/044, and if you get value out of this show, Please leave a review on iTunes or Google Podcasts or whatever platform that you're on and share it with your friends. I know so many of you do that already and I'm just so thankful for all of you who do. As a reminder, don't forget to sign up for the Morning Mind Love at mindlove.com or text MORNING to four 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 nine 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 To connect with me personally, you can find me on Instagram at melissa or the podcast at podcast next week's episode is going to be amazing. We're going to learn all of these actionable tips to change your mood, your energy, how you feel in your body, all with just some simple body hacks that you can do anytime. I love you all. And thanks for giving your mind a little love today. And I'll see you next week.
0: Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love.
1: Head to mindlove.com
2: for a free gift
1: to keep your vibes up until next week.